So, this year I want to speak about two important devotees in the Jagannath Puri Leela who are newcomers, in effect, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission, who uh, we can draw a lot of inspiration from, those who have perfected themselves by the Lord's mercy and spiritual practice. They are particularly important to us. Sometimes we like to think that the Nityasiddha Parshadas, the eternal associates of Mahaprabhu Radha Govinda, they uh, are more important than those who have become perfect by practice, by sadhana. Of course, Prabhupada dismissed that idea by way of saying in one letter to one of his disciples who inquired something about the difference between sadhana siddha and nitya siddha, that uh, he said that the important word is siddha. How you got there, that's not as, as of much consequence. But another way of looking at it is given by Sanatana Goswami with regard to Prahlad, who is sometimes considered a sadhana siddha, as is Narad Muni. And um, I believe Sanatana Prabhu, in his commentary on Brigit Bhagavatamrita, made the point that made the point that these nitya siddhas they've never been tested. Their bhakti has never been tested, so we can't be sure about <laughs> about them. <laughs> Whereas the sadhana siddhas, like Prahlad, he was tested not in a small way, but in in a big way. He was tested by Bhagawan himself, who comes, as you know, to give a blessing when he appears. You know, you have to take a blessing. So he tried to push that onto Prahlad in so many ways. Take something. I'm here to give something. And of course, he wouldn't take anything. He uh, represents, in one sense, the end of material selfishness. And then we go on from there, from the end of material selfishness to lesser and lesser degrees of, of spiritual selfishness or a sense of separateness from ourselves and the Lord, which is disappears in the end when the Lord, in effect, is no longer differentiated from the devotee as an object of worship when in Vrindavan they are completely, their will is one with him and he is one of them rather than somebody that they worship. Worship is of Narayan, but the love for Krishna, who has become one in a dynamic sense, one with the Braj Basis. He's one of them. Really, he is. So, anyway, Sanatana Prabhu made that point. Oh, we have much to learn from those who have become perfect through practice. And their devotion has been tested. We can be sure about them. So, of course, we'll get encouragement from those who are sadhana siddhas, because we are sadhakas ourselves, and, and there should be an example of someone who's become perfect by such practice to in, inspire us, and there are many. So, two of them I want to speak about, and they represent, in a sense, two, two ways, two sides of coming to the center of, of bhakti from karma, and Gyan. Sri Rupa Goswami took the verse of Narada, Sarvopadi vanirmuktam tatpuratvena nirmalam vishikena rishikesha sevanam bhakti ruchate. In this verse of Narada that uh, he, he took and he translated it like this, Anyabhilashita sunyam jnana karmade anavritam anukulena krishnanu shilanam bhakti ruttam. He defined his uh, bhakti. Need a technician there. 
he defined, explained bhakti, and sarvopadi vidyan mukta. We'll go from Sri Rupa's verse. Anyabhilashita sunyam jnana karmadi anabritam. This is the, these first two lines, they explain the marginal characteristics of shuddha bhakti, of pure devotion, the tatasta lakshan. It gives an indirect kind of explanation of what pure devotion is by way of saying what it's not. It's devoid of uh, karma bilas and jnana bilas. Desire for jnana and karma. These are really the two tracks, in a sense, that material life runs on. To see the world as mine or to see myself as the world. To see it as mine or that I am it. And these being the, the tracks, in a sense, that material life runs on, when scripture talks about jnana and karma, people will, based on their conditioning, have a natural attraction to one of these sides. Whereas bhakti is in the middle and throughout the scripture, pervading it. It's often missed by people because they come in based on their which side of the material equation they're on and give emphasis to or uh, develop interest in in scripture for facilitating oneself in terms of material acquisition in scripture in terms of facilitating my being the center. Now of course that's not ultimately what the karma marg and jnana marg do. I mean they're, they're really serving the bhakti marg in an indirect way but to sort all this out we need more than a book really. We need the book and we need a book named Srimad Bhagavatam and that's what Narada told Vyasa no uncertain terms. You've done a disservice really to the world by writing in such a way as to not to place enough direct emphasis on bhakti. So we need that book and we need the person, Bhagavatam. You probably used to like to say Nasta Prashu Bhadrishunityam Bhagavata Seva in relation to this important verse of Bhagavatam that there are two Bhagavatas. And this idea comes actually also in Chaitanya Charitamrita when Sri Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is explaining his Principal Namaskar verse to the great book Chaitanya Charitamrita Bande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sohodito Gorarai Pushpabanto Chitro Sandotamonudo. He says, Tamdo uh, Samonudo. So, this book will destroy ignorance and give Samdo the highest benediction. And so, in regard to that highest benediction, he says it comes in this way in the form of two Bhagavatas the book Bhagavata, in the person Bhagavata, who personifies that book, who is a realizer of that book. So, Sridhar in his language, used to say the scripture is a passive agent of divinity, comparatively, in comparison to the, to the sadhu, the saint, who is an active agent of divinity. In other words, the book cannot ask you, so did you understand? But the sadhu can say, did you understand? And you can say, yes, yes. And then he can say, what did you understand? Show me that you understand. He can go after you. Prabhupada once said, I came to your country as an aggressor. <laughs> we thank him for that. Such aggressive love. <laughs> that I uh, couldn't tolerate people getting anything short of what Mahaprabhu came to give. So, at any rate, we want to speak today about two devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who represent, in a sense, these two sides of the material equation and came to, to the center of Śrīla Bhakti from those sides, from jñāna and karma. Who could say who they are? 
Who are we going to talk about? Any guesses? Sarabhama Bhattacharya. He's tonight. That's the Gyan, Gyan <laughs> Marg. Right. What about from Karma Marg? Raj. Raj Pratap Rudra. Raj means the world itself. <laughs> you can't get any more worldly than the king. So the king, the king of Puri. So let us discuss a little bit about Raj Prataprudra. Both of these devotees, as I say, they are not uh, considered like uh, as eternal associates of Mahabhu descending from Golok with him. Brihaspati came from the heavens and appeared in Madhya area as Bhattacharya Sarvabhama, Vasudev Sarvabhama. And uh, that's the guru of the gods, Brihaspati. And Raj Prataprudra was a king. Indradyumna had much to do with the history of the Jagannath Puri temple. And in this birth is Pratap Arudra. It means he was a Pratap. He had power, influence, but without any rage, not out of control, controlled strength. Gajapati. Big king he was. Very powerful. His influence in Orissa was such that the um, Muslims couldn't penetrate into Jagannath Puri and they were were ruling in Bengal and, and whatnot, but they couldn't come in there and defile as they might and had it done in other parts the deity of Jagannath in Puri. So an important person to all the devotees he was as a king because he was supporting their their bhakti and he was a devotee of, of Jagannath. But he came to find out about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through Sarvabhom Bhattacharya who was uh, more or less his, his guru. He was the pundit of Puri, very, very learned man, very important man, even in in Indian history. Sarvabhambhattacharya is one of the famous logicians or mathematicians of Indian history. He took the the glory of Matila, which was the city of Navanyaya that replaced Prachinaya, the old school of logic, the new school of logic, was in, in Matila. And there was a famous book written Tattvachintamani, that uh, of logic. It was this Nabanyai. Uh, I forget who who uh, who authored that book, but it was kept in Matila, and, and and if anyone came to study there, they would uh, wouldn't be given a copy of the book because Matila was afraid that this influence as the center of scholarship would be lost. But Sarvam, who hailed from Nadia, came and learned the book and memorized it and took it to Nadia, and <laughs> that's how. Navadvip became the center and displaced Mithila. And Mahaprabhu was then appeared in the midst of that Navanyaya and, and so forth. And we'll talk more about that tonight. But at any rate, he was a very important fellow and, and he liked the guru of um, uh, Prataparudra. And so when Mahaprabhu came to Puri and uh, was uh, assisted by Sarvabhoma and Sarvabhoma was ultimately converted by Mahaprabhu, apparently the Raj was not present at the time. He was out traveling in his extended kingdom and whatnot. But when he got back, he saw the change in Sarvabhoma, which was extraordinary, dramatic, from a dry logician to a very juicy you know, bhakta, very sentimental. And uh, of course, his sentiments were based, based on, on tattva, siddhanta, knowledge and whatnot. It was an extraordinary change, and he was moved by the change. And of course, he had faith in Vasudev Sarvabhoma, who was uh, uh, well-versed, so well-versed that he would uh, teach sannyasis, Advaita Vedanta. 
And to the surprise of the king, when the king inquired about his transformation, then he heard it was due to the influence of this young Chaitanya, who at this time had gone south. Mahaprabhu made his way out of Puri somehow or other. For us, it means for preaching and delivering the people. It was difficult, you can imagine, for him to get out of the grips of his loving devotees. He made a plea, and perhaps this was the most influential thing he said, although he's independent and can do what he likes, he's also controlled by his devotees at the same time. And he made a plea that, oh, my, my brother has gone south. I have to find him. Shankara, Shankaranya, I think his sannyas name was Vishvarup. So you can understand that playing on the, these are all Mahaprabhu's family members practically. They're so close, all devotees from Namadweep. Well, amongst those would come, you know, Gadadhar, Nityananda Prabhu, Mukunda, and so forth. And so at any rate, Mahaprabhu was in the south, and when the king arrived and asked Sarabhum that he, maybe you can help me to get the darshan, the audience of this sannyasi, he was told that, you know, even if I could, he's already gone. And then Sarabhum began to speak about him. The king said, why don't you keep him here? He said, what can I do? He's, he's fine Bhagwan. He can do whatever he wants. He's independent. No one can keep him if he doesn't want to stay. And this only caused the king's faith to grow. It was a controversial thing. He said, he's Swayam Bhagawan. He's Krishna, he said. Satantra Ishwar. And Krishna, he is the name. He's Krishna himself. This is a very revolutionary idea. I mean, the Gosamis, Krishna's Kaviraj, in their wake, they went to great efforts to establish this point of Siddhanta, a point that uh, Prabhupada, by use of his term, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, again and again and again and again. It's almost, you think, like, well, from an English point of view, it's a bit repetitive. You might want to, you know, nuance that and change that, but it's, you know, it's, it's, he's not writing for a Pulitzer Prize, but to make, make a point. And this is an important point. I mean, Shijiva Goswami calls it the Paribha Sutra, the key to understanding the whole of the Bhagavat. What is that key? Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. What is the translation? Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The importance of this is such that knowing it, Krishna says it in the Gita, Aham Sarvasya Prabhupada If you know me, Aham Sarvasya Prabhupada, I'm, I'm, everything stops here, I'm the source of everything. Then what have you got? You have one half of the equation for perfecting your life. What is that half of the equation? You have found now the supreme taker, the center, who can take unlimitedly. And who can take means by whose taking everyone is benefited, everyone is nourished. So if life is, and it is, about loving, about love, really, it's about giving. We grow by giving. Giving is living, really. We experience it in, in everyday life, and it's mystical. Life is not really rational. That's why Sarvam gave up his logic, practically. It's not in, unreasonable to do so, or illogical to do so, but our practical experience is that by giving we gain. And as we experience it, we realize that giving is the gain. It doesn't make sense what I mean mathematically if you give away that you will get. That's our experience. Even if we give incompletely by not knowing the first half of the equation, 
where to give most effectively, where we can give completely, that center that can take unlimitedly. And secondly, the other way in which we can err, the second part of the equation in terms of giving and thereby living completely, is to give with, of course, the idea of getting, to attach getting to your giving. So, to give without any idea of, of getting in return, and then to give in that way to the one who can take unlimitedly. This is what Krishna consciousness is about. That it plays itself out in the whole Brajlila. That's what it is. But in kind of universal terms, if you will. So we have to start giving and to help us. Krishna says, if you know that I, who I am, if you've understood me to be the supreme taker, then what? Then you have much of what you need in order to do the kind of bhajan, the kind of spiritual practice by which you will know me as I am. So emphasize this point. It's important, therefore. Again, Krishna, the supreme personality of God. And, and it's important to know, we don't have a second sloka for understanding the bhava. There's two things in Bhagavatam, the tattva of the Bhagavatam and the, the bhava of the Bhagavatam. But by understanding the tattva, we have at our disposal what we need, then in many respects, to apply ourselves in such a way as to arrive at that, that bhava, that, uh, the feeling. And of course, it will be such that it overrides the, the idea, ultimately, that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. It, these are object of our worship, but rather that we are one with Him in love, and He's one of us, and a family member, and so forth. This is of such a high thing, so high, this ideal. That is our ideal so high. And we'll see how, as we discussed, how Prataparuja was actually approaching that ideal <laughs> and how far he got with that. Coming from the side, as he did, of, of worldliness. He wanted to have the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Sarabhoma said, well, first of all, he's not here. I couldn't keep him here because he's Krishna. He does what he wants. Swarat. He's completely independent. And again, this was a very controversial idea. First of all, that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, and secondly, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna. But the king, he just accepted it. He had faith in Sarabhama Bhattacharya. He was an important person, well thought out, well reasoned, scripturally learned and so forth, a sober person. And he had arrived at this conclusion that was good enough for the king. So we can study it out. That's another way of looking at it. Nasta praeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya bhagavati uttama shlokir bhaktir bhavati nashtiki We can study Bhagavatam regularly. We're not all intellectuals though. It, it does require intelligence to study such books. But that may not be our expertise. But we then should attach ourselves to a Bhagavata, to a person Bhagavata, who knows that. Because we don't want to be only Vaishnav Pray in the language of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Our faith is komal, tender, and it has to be harmonized with our head, with reasoning, with Shastra Yukti, not Kevala Yukti, not just reason for its uh, own sake, but in conjunction with revelation. We should reason this far that perfect knowledge which everybody wants, because all action is informed by knowledge, and we want to be perfectly happy. So we want perfect knowledge. Perfect knowledge requires a perfect process, a perfect method, 
to arrive at that. I mean, we feel that perfect knowledge exists. Some people say it's folly to think so, but everyone keeps looking for it. So, who's crazy? Those who say it exists and look for it, or those who say it doesn't exist, but we can see by their actions, they're still looking for perfect knowledge. Everyone's looking to be perfectly happy. So, what is the perfect method? This is the perfect method. Because it, we are imperfect. It is perfect, so we fold our hands. It's venerable. This is the whole idea of revelation. A comprehensive knowing will come by revelation. If God wants us to know, then we can know. Shidomarsh used to give the example of UFOs. He said, if a UFO comes, appears in the backyard, and a young girl comes out of the house and sees it and runs in to tell everybody, and then the UFO is gone <laughs> when they all come out. And they, they say, well, you know, maybe you had a bad night last night. But she saw. They showed themselves. She saw. She cannot give up the idea. So she end, ends up finding other people who also saw somewhere else. And she joins a UFO club. And this way, <laughs> all these crazy people who saw, who God showed himself to, they all form a group. They stay together. <laughs> they share notes. What was their experience? And they, they spend their whole life like this, researching the thing, to get a glimpse of him, to understand what it was in them at that moment that caused him to appear, that attitude, what, what kind of disposition. Mahabhu was gone, but he came back. In the language of Chaitanya Charitamrita, the intensity of the devotees who were missing him reached such a pitch that he was independent of everything, but controlled by love, had to return. So the king, that much more, wanted the audience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sarvabhuma knew this was a difficult request to fulfill because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was living as an ascetic and he was setting an, an example. Hmm? He said, anyway, even if he was here, of course, when, this story kind of goes on. It, it appears from Chaitanya Charitamrita, the account of this over several chapters discussing basically Mahaprabhu's Madhilila in connection with Ratha Yatra goes over a number of years and it appears it took some time for the king ultimately to get Mahaprabhu's darshan. But Sarvabhoma became his coach in this regard, so to speak, to help him. The good quality of the king was that he had faith in Sarvabhoma, faith in, in the devotees of Mahaprabhu. Ramananda Roy testified on behalf of the king to Mahaprabhu. As we begin to describe now how Prataparudra Maharaj struggled to get the audience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He wouldn't give it Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He wouldn't hear about giving his audience to the king because the king personified worldliness. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, the emblem of otherworldliness, if you will. And um, he didn't want that uh, his reputation would be spoiled, which might cause people to think that he was compromised, the sannyasi, that he was bought and paid for by a politician. It's interesting. He wouldn't see the king. Prabhupada wanted to see Indira Gandhi. <laughs> but he wouldn't see, uh, was it Amrit Desai? i tell you how I re remember it. Prabhupada wanted to see Indira Gandhi. So we think, oh, there's some contradiction here. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi. He wouldn't see the king, but Prabhupada wanted to see Indira Gandhi. It's hard to get visas for his students to remain in India on a long-term basis and so forth. And, and so was Prabhupada compromised? Well, no, certainly not. 
there's a principle here, and principles are one thing and details are another. On another occasion, after Indira Gandhi was replaced, and I don't know, one or two administrations later, there was, for some time, I forget his name. There was a Maraji Desai. Maraji Desai, okay, Maraji Desai. The difference between Maraji Desai and Indira Gandhi was that Maraji Desai claimed himself to be religious, overtly, overtly a Hindu and religious, whereas Indira Gandhi was secular. It was a secular government, but, but he was a card-carrying Hindu worshiper and so forth. So he came to Bombay, and Prabhupada was just, you know, not far away, and the devotees wanted to make an opportunity for Prabhupada to see him. Prabhupada said, no, he should come and see me. He didn't want to see him. He said, he should come and see me. Why? Because he was supposed to know. <laughs> he claimed himself to be a Hindu, and he, he, he should have a desire to associate with the sannyasi. Whether Prabhupada would have given him darshan, he probably would have. But anyway, he, he dealt differently with the relation in relation to a man who knew and a lady who didn't know better. So sometimes first you have to educate the people before you can set up your standards and whatnot, or they won't be able to relate to them. So Mahaprabhu didn't want to see the king, didn't want to give darshan to the king. It might spoil his reputation, and then people wouldn't wouldn't listen to him. After all, he took sannyas largely Chaitanya Dev for the purpose of having um, being facilitated in terms of ministering to people because the sannyasi would be regarded by the people, he would stand out. And so he didn't want to risk that. Therefore he refused to give the darshan to the king, Sarabhantal, and this is a difficult proposal. I mean, you're a nice devotee and everything, but just the name king, just the sound king. It means to us also, again, we're talking about this in relation to karma bilas and the desire for material acquisition. This has to come out of our hearts. It's in our heart to some extent, but we should know this is the work at hand. Gyan karmadi, Rupa says, anavritam. Our bhakti should not be eclipsed by the desire for knowing or owning. We shouldn't do bhakti for the purpose of making our life easier, either through the folly of material acquisition, that our life will become easier, or through the misconception that by doing, going on strike and doing nothing, Gyanmarg, that our life will be happier. This is a, an interesting point because we should try to think along these terms that bhakti is not about avoiding trouble. It's not about avoiding trouble in a comfortable life. We can say it as probably chant and be happy, and it's true, but the real idea is. What's favorable for Krishna consciousness we should do? We should take some trouble for Krishna, and there will be much, much difficulty. We see the lives of... Look at the difference in Red Bhagavatamrita, for example, in the life of the, the king of South India, who's second on the ladder in the first part of Red Bhagavatamrita, when Nard begins visiting different devotees and looking for who is the greatest, fullest recipient of Krishna's mercy. Second person he visits is a king in South India. Oh, he had such a kingdom. It was just so pious. There was only prashad for everybody, and practically everybody was only clothed with remnants of the deities, and it didn't rain in the day, only at night, and all such things. We hear the similar things about Yudhisthira Maharaj's kingdom. Yudhisthira comes later in the journey of Nard, much later, far into Shuddha Bhakti. In this part, 
when he's visiting the king in South India, it looks like bhakti. Everything he does is bhakti, but his heart, what is the condition of his heart? You see, when Narada says, oh, you've got the mercy of Bhagawan, of Krishna. He says, I don't have the mercy. My life is short. Look at Indra, he's got a long life. If I could go to heaven, then I could have a long life. And and uh, I'm troubled by all these rules and regulations of Dharma Shastra and Varnashram. It's really burdensome. In heaven, they don't have the same kind of burden. And you see what he, he's doing, everything looked like bhakti, but what, he, what is his desire? What he wants? He thinks, Indra's got the mercy, he's got a long life. If I could get a long life, then I, then you could say I had the mercy of Krishna. I didn't have to be troubled by all these, you know, uh, so many things. He gives a list of so many things. And you just dear Maharaj on the other end? He was a king. He had a kingdom like that. He only reigned at, at night, not in the day, and it was wonderful. And Emperor he was. Huh? He could care a fig for the whole thing. For that, or any better kingdom, or any extended life. And, oh, this bhakti very subtle. It's all about the condition of the heart, really. It's not about externals only as much as the externals facilitate that condition of heart, change of heart. So worldliness, oh, yes, karma bilas, the desire for material acquisition. Our bhakti should not be covered by that. To do bhakti for that. Or to think that uh, without adhering to lesser, if you will, religious principles, somehow something will be lost. Therefore, Krishna says it in the Gita. What? Begin here. It's not the end. He says, begin here. Sarvadharman pritya mami kam sharanam braja. Just take shelter of me. Do sharanagati. Have this kind of faith. Sharanagati is the outward expression of shraddha, of faith. No requirement for any other adherence to any other religious standards or principles. Nothing will be lost if you don't adhere to them, if you simply take shelter. I mean, this is a very, it's actually quite revolutionary. Not so much for us who are, you know, we came to this by Sadhu Sangha, not by Dharma Jignashu. We didn't come to Brahma Jignashu or Rasa Jignashu, inquiry about Brahman or Rasananda through Dharma, having thoroughly explored religious life. And you know, we came by the shortcut, the back door, Sadhu Sangha. We got interest in that. We should see, however, that our interest in that is such. We should look to see that what is developing in us, in our pursuit of that interest in Brahma, in Brahman, in, in, in Rasananda, what should we look for? We should look for this karma bilas is going away, this desire for material acquisition. We may get on board by Sadhu Sangha, but it doesn't mean all of a sudden all these desires are gone. We should look for this kind of progress. I said it the other night somewhere, we were, we were having a talk, that if we're catching on to this, what it's about, the evidence will be that we're letting go. Catching on in the beginning means letting go. As they say in common English parlance, you can't row a boat by keeping the anchor down. So some movement. This is the whole of the Braj, it's a movement, it's a nomadic group of cowherds. They're on the move, pasturing, looking for fresher grasses. It's moving. As a verb, Braj means to move, to go. And in terms of that place of Krishna's pastimes, it's, a, it's called Braj, it means pasture, cow pasture, but it's a moving place. We have to be 
willing to move, change, change of heart. Mahaprabhu said, Trinata Pisa Nichena, Tarara Pisa Hishnila, Amanina Manadena Kirtaniya Sadahari. We have to move this much. We have to move like this. If we have to get all kind of Astasatvika Bikara, this is the, we have to go through this first. If we have to get that kind of transformation of ecstasy that makes up a form suitable for living in, in Vrindavan with Krishna, then uh, the sadhaka day has to move, has to bend, has to bow. So we have to pull up the roots. So Mahaprabhu didn't want to see the king. He personified that. But the king wanted to see the Mahaprabhu and the devotees were sympathetic. They could see he's a king externally, but inside he's a devotee, really. He personifies worldliness. The very name king Mahaprabhu wanted to stay away from. But he's really a devotee. So they they canvassed on his behalf. They made they tried to make arrangements and he took shelter of them. When he met with Sarvabhama and then Mahaprabhu came to Puri, and then devotees from Bengal started to come, then the king went up on the roof with Sarvabhama and Gopinath. And he wanted to know, he asked Sarvabhama, tell me who are all these devotees? About 200 plus devotees came from Bengal. They had heard that Mahaprabhu had returned from the south. Kal Krishnadas was sent. Mahaprabhu rejected him. Nityananda Prabhu embraced him. Kal Krishnadas had some problem in the south. He was Mahaprabhu's assistant, but he got distracted. When they returned, Mahaprabhu had to bring him back by his, by his sika, pull him back. Hmm? <laughs> When they returned to Puri, Mahaprabhu said, I, because of my position as a sannyasi, as the implication, I cannot keep him. He's not a fit assistant of mine. Released him. What happened? Mahaprabhu released him. Mukunda and Nityananda Prabhu, they just felt so much compassion for him. They immediately engaged him in Mahaprabhu's service. And in such a wonderful way. What did they do? They sent them to Bengal, to Sachima and Advaita and others, to give the news that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had returned. Here he was in Puri, in a moment of disgrace, due to the strictness of Mahaprabhu. And the Prabhu arranged in such a way that he would be gloried, glorified, embraced by everyone, bringing the news. Mahaprabhu has come back to Puri. He was a celebrity for bringing the news. This is, Mahaprabhu had certain formalities that he observed for our sake, and they were, as I say, for our sake he took the sannyas, but as much as it facilitated, there were some limitations in terms of the extent to which he wanted to reach out to us. And he fulfilled that through Nityananda Prabhu. So the king wanted to know, who are all these devotees coming from Bengal now? A couple hundred of them. Sarvabha said, I really don't know them. I'm a newcomer too, like you. These are all his, all his own people. But Gopinath, he's one of them. So, you tell us who they are. This is very much a nice point, because if we are to approach Sri Krishna, what will we come in the vicinity of first? Like you see all these nice songs with Thakur Bhakti, Narottam and stuff. So many associates of Krishna are mentioned. Probably just say Krishna is never alone. Well, all these devotees, they're his own Swarup Shakti. They're like um, blind with love, like like the mother who called her son, blind son Padmalochan, 
for us. Coming in touch with Krishna means coming in touch with them. We say about Sri Guru, Sakshadharitena, Samasta Shastra. You know, that's such a wow. He's like God Himself practically coming. God's like coming this way. Sakshadharitena. And Samasta Shastra, all the scriptures say it about Him. What more could be said than that? Oh my God. Something more. Kintu Prabhorya Priyavatasya. Says in the next line. This is more. Kintu, however. Kintu Prabhorya Priyavatasya. He's a devotee of Krishna at the same time. And that means he comes to us first. Krishna's coming to us in just a very custom fit. We should pay attention there. He's coming just, just to address us in our shraddha and, and foster that in a, in a very tailor-made way coming to us. It's Krishna coming, so all attention should be paid. And if we pay all attention, what do we see? We see, oh, he represents a particular potency of Krishna, if you will. He loves Krishna in a particular way. And this is, I mean, that surup shakti. We are to become one in the sense with that, with that love. Krishna and his devotees are one. There's no Krishna without those devotees. Therefore, to say that where is Krishna in the heart of the devotee? The two correspond. He appears, he shows that face himself in reciprocation to the love of the devotee. So the, that surup shakti, we'll go to Krishna. If we're actually making that approach, Successfully, then we'll come in touch with all these things. Now, what is it? Raghunath gave that Dasvasami nice verse. Nama Shrestam Apisachi Putra Matra Sarupam Tasya Agrajatam Urupatim Maturim All these things, he said. Sridhar gave a nice commentary on that once when he said, Oh, when we're coming in touch with all of these things, Govardhan and um, the service of Radha Madhava. We've understood the teachings of Rupa and Sanatana and the highest conception of the name and Radha Kund, all these things are mentioned in there. He says, then we can say we've understood the mission of our Gurudev. We're in the vicinity, something like that. Once about Mirabai, one of us asked, what is the devotion of Mirabai? She's a famous singer and, uh, and, and mystic and um, he said in all of her songs there's only Krishna in her. So we don't recognize that's not the same Krishna that we're after. We want who is this? Yashodanandan, Radhanath. Hmm? <laughs> so coming in touch with all therefore Bhakti knows Thakur says Yasumatinandan, Rajabaranagara, all these names in relation to all these devotees and place and, and so forth. It's not just me and Krishna. The king wanted to see who are all these people? They're all his associates. This is the proper approach. And one after one, then Gopinata's explained, this is Advaita, this was, that is Sarup Dhamma Gobinda, they are here, they become like secretary and servant. This is the great Advaita Charja, this one is this one and that one and so forth. And, and the king was just overwhelmed. He said, and what kind of worship do they do? I mean, what is the singing and dancing? Zahra he said what? Chaitanya Shishti Prem Sankirtana. It is the creation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's, it's like Bhagavatam says, another creation. This is another Svarga, another creation altogether, this Bhagavatam. 
But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was giving that as the essence of Bhagavatam. The king had never seen this kind of worship, and he had seen millions and millions of pilgrims come to Jagannath Puri. It's a pilgrimage town. Millions of them. But this kind of worship, this was very different. Sarvama said, yes, it is the creation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's a different thing. He called it Prem Sankirtan. So the king arranged for a place for Mahaprabhu to live and prasadam profusely for all of the devotees. Ramananda Roy came on the scene. He told what? I've come. You resided Puri as per your request, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when you met me on your way south. And I've, I've been granted the facility to do so by the king. He was a minister in the king's service. Not only has the king allowed me to come and stay here in Puri and give up my post in the south, but he's given me a salary, a pension and a salary double what I would get because he heard that you wanted me here. So this way these devotees, <laughs> they're reciprocating. The king is, uh, is, is approaching through them hmm? and they're responding. This is an indirect way in which Ramananda Roy is saying, well, you know, maybe we should give the king your mercy. What does Chaitanya Mahaprabhu say? Oh, then he says, Aradhanam Sarvesham Vishnu Aradhanam Param. He said, yes, because he's, he likes devotees, because he worships devotees. This is the highest thing. Certainly Krishna will bless him. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Krishna will definitely bless him because the king is worshipping devotees. He quoted that famous verse from Adi Purana where Krishna says, those who say they are my devotee, they are not my devotee. But those who say they are the devotee of my devotee, and they are my devotees. This is, after all, Vaishnavism. We don't call it Krishnaism, but Vaishnavism. Serving the devotees. And that, that's where Krishna resides. I often give the example, why do we bow down before the deity? Because the Vaishnava told us, this is, this is Krishna, they should do this here. But where is Krishna then? He's in the heart of the devotee. It's a real thing. This is a real point. I mean, it's not just some propaganda. But Krishna <laughs> feels that those who worship his devotees are actually his devotees. He really feels that way. I mean, the unfortunate set of circumstances is such that the environment in the Gaudiya world, if you will, today, is such that it just fosters this um, lack of respect for devotees and the willingness to tread where, you know, it is, is unheard of in the direction of the potential possibility of Vaishnava Aparat and how much this has been emphasized, how we should take it to heart. And if you've got a problem with the Vaishnava, that can happen. There are those who, like I said earlier, Vaishnava pride, they're not, they don't understand the Siddhanta, they have an emotion, they have feeling, sentiment, weak faith, but it's not strengthened by Siddhanta, by Tattva, by understanding the scripture. Still, they're chanting, they should be respected. Uh, this is the problem. When se sentiment overrides Siddhanta, the prophet, what did he say? That sentiment without philosophy, that is just... Religion without philosophy. Religion without fanaticism, something like that. This is a problem. Our sentiments have to be tied to Siddhanta. Then we'll get real sentiments that arise out of that. So what to do? Anyway, some people uh, don't know the teaching very well. If anything, they need association. But they want to say, I don't need any association. I have, you know, whatever, Prabhupada or whatever. And then this unfortunate, this happens. So some people 
speak in ways that aren't helpful to us, and they act in ways that aren't helpful to us, although they're devotees. We can't complain too much because, you know, whatever. Bhakti Devi is merciful. What can we say? She goes wherever she wants. But at the same time, we, we're told to respect such people. So how to do that? My realization is, if you will, I'll share with you, that if you keep a distance, enough distance from anybody, you can find something about them that you can appreciate. So just figure out what the distance is. Some people you want to be as close as you can to, and some people you want to be on a you know, different planet from, okay? <laughs> practically. <laughs> so just you know, make that distance. You have the facility to do that, by, by consciousness anyway, at least, if not by miles. And keep a distance. Then you, can, you hear their name and you know, it doesn't trouble you so much. Don't just go on the internet and find out everything they say and trouble your mind. So Vaishnavism, the king had a healthy sense for serving the Vaishnava. This is, this is his ticket. They're generous. They're generous because real Vaishnavas, they create a category, if you will, almost like Prakrita Bhakta. It doesn't make any sense. Materialistic devotee. Right? They said, Vaishnava Jati Buddhi. He's not a member of the world. A materialistic devotee, it's, uh, what do they say, oxymoron. Kanishta Adhikari, it's the generosity, really, of real Vaishnavas to extend that and uh, include us in the fold. So our regard should be given there. The king had this sense. This was his real ticket. So he kept trying in so many ways to get the audience of the Mahaprabhu. What he wanted was some assurance from Mahaprabhu that he was really... You know that his devotion was recognized, acknowledged. So the Sarvabhuma said, "Look, don't worry. He doesn't give his darshan, but I've got a plan. I got a plan by which you can get it." During the Rathiyatra, at a certain point, Mahabhu will take rest from from the kirtan. So it was apparent that Sarvabhuma had experience of this in previous years. Like I say, this seems to extend over a number of years. The description of the Rathiyatra and Pratipurjama is ultimately getting the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So at a certain point he will do that, and then at that time you can come and you can sing this section from Bhagavatam, Ras Panchanjai, which is the, the zenith, the apex of the Bhagavatam. It all builds up to that, and then everything after that is an afterthought that reflects back on that, the consummation, if you will, of the love relationship between Radha and, and Krishna, Krishna's success in playing his flute. So he said, you sing about this at a certain time. So then, Ratiyatra uh, commenced, and there was the king. He took his position as a sweeper. This was uh, done for previous generations. And the king would be the sweeper in the Ratiyatra. But Mahaprabhu witnessed this. The king became the sweeper. You know, the sweepers are a certain class of people in India, the bungies. They're the ones that pick up everything off the street, all the litter and so forth. I remember once I was in Vrindavan and the bungies were on strike and so there was all this garbage and we went out to pick it up and boy, they all came and chased us and you know, we were strike breakers, you know, we didn't realize what was going on. So anyway, that's, there's a huge contrast, if you will, between the king and the street sweeper. And the king became a street sweeper. Golden broom, but anyway, a street sweeper before Lord Jagannath. And seeing this humility in Rajprataprujya, Mahaprabhu gave him his mercy. Internally he committed, if you will, to share himself entirely with 
with the king. So this humility, as I said earlier, this is the ticket. Mahaprabhu says, if you chant like this, with this kind of humility, that kind of chanting, you can get prem. It's possible. And Sanatana Prabhu's explanation of humility, he goes so far as to say, ultimately, the full expression of humility is synonymous with prem itself. So humble, this kind of changing, this is required in us to be a little humble, not a little, a lot humble. We got good reason for it, no doubt. The king was humble. And they say the pauper is proud of his penny, we have nothing. I mean, he was a real king, a king. <laughs> what he had. And as the story of Pratipurta Maharaj goes on, we see he gave up everything. When Mahabrabhu went to Bengal, the king spent his whole treasury making monuments and ghats and places to remember that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu crossed the river here. He walked here. That's how he spent his money, his fun money, his disposable income. This is where he, he disposed of it. It's a burden, really. We should dispose of our income. It's the cause of all problems. Money. We think it's the answer. It's the problem. Hmm? To live without money means to have no worries. <laughs> it's hard to realize, huh? So anyway, he swept the street. Mahaprabhu agreed to give him his mercy. And then the kirtan began in Ratayatra. And, and what happened? Actually, before that, it, it should be noted that before that Ratayatra, the, the king had given a letter to Sarvabhoma or to, to maybe to Ramananda and told that, you know, if I don't get the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I'm going to give up my kingdom altogether. I'm going to just... Uh, I'm going to become like a mendicant or something like that. The devotees were mortified at the thought because, again, as I said earlier, politically speaking, he was a very powerful king and he was protecting the, the kingdom and facilitating their bhakti and service to Jagannath in a, in a big way because they were Muslim invaders and so forth. What will become of the kingdom if the king gives up his position? 